Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Watch Hacks, streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you're online at White Castles and you only got money for one of them <laughs> dirty ass burgers, maybe according to Terrence's math, you get two. Eat up, because baby. one times one equals two. So you'll have twice the amount of bubble guts if you just <laughs> if you can only afford one. Bang, 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 skeet, skeet, skeet. There it is. Yup, there it is, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another phenomenal episode of My Mama Told Me, the podcast where we dive deep, deep into the pockets of black conspiracy theories. And we finally work to prove that Russell Wilson is the greatest known survivor of jungle fever in human history. The man was dating the ugliest of whites. He was deep in the trenches of white devildom and then found his way out to now stand aside Sierra during twerk videos. He's free of his jungle fever. I don't know how he did it, but no man has survived it greater than Russell Wilson. These are facts, ladies and gentlemen. Fuck a theory. These are actual facts. I am your host, Langston Kerman. I'm happy to be here. It's a goddamn beautiful day outside, even though I'm trapped in my room i'm trapped in my room being held captive by my wife and her her mother who have now taken over the rest of my home but that doesn't matter because you know who's who's the most free who isn't trapped it's my guest today she lives she lives free god damn it she lives she lives the way she wants to live is what i've heard on the streets and everywhere there everybody's talking about her because she's amazing she's a filmmaker director writer producer she does all the shit you know her donut best. maker yeah donut maker she said she makes donuts and you know what mm-hmm. she made a point to tell me to tell you she doesn't have covid and that's a big deal right now 
That's a big Blessing. goddamn deal. <laughs> You've That's already right. heard her voice. You know her best from from her beautiful film, which I love so much. Forty year old version. Give it up for my guest, Miss Rada Blaine. Thank you. Oh my God, I yeah. feel so honored to be in that intro, and then to be connected with the term skeet skeet. I mean, it's just <laughs> what a warm, a literally warm welcome on my face. You know, thank you so much. I like to roll out that skeet skeet <laughs> carpet whenever I can <laughs> for whoever's Ooh, joining. Quotable. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I'm such a fan of this show. Oh, and I, love I know that. two people right now, Elisa Blount Moorhead and Amir Lewis, are gagging when Whoa. they hear this because they are huge fans. So I just had to shout them out. But thanks for having me on. Yeah, I, I'm so excited you're on. We've already, we've talked a few times on on the chats and Instagram right. and shit, and I, I love your work. I've, oh, thank uh, you. I've been working with Eric Bronco, who I know you know very well and uh, yes, helped, helped make your beautiful film. Yes, uh, he did. And so, you know, big fan, and I'm happy you're here. We're going we're gonna to have a silly-ass time, because you came with a conspiracy theory that... Yes. That I don't even know really how to qualify. It truly is a an exciting conversation we're about to jump into. So I want to introduce it carefully. But you said my mama told me about Terrence Howard and his new mask. Yes, uh, it's, tell me. It's more. not just. <laughs> it's not just the new mask, Langston. It's called the universal mask. And uh-huh. if you look very closely at the acronym, it's TUM. As Whoa. in tummy, right? As in belly and shaitan, you know, as the some of the black Muslims will call him, might try to skew that towards belly of the beast. But they say that your stomach is your second brain. So do okay. you see the connection? The universal Not math. yet. <laughs> Tom, Tom as in tummy and second brain. I'm just saying that the signs yep. of this new way of thinking have been there, even if we don't understand them. They're there. Whoa. And thank you. Thank you to Terrence, you know, for introducing my brain to this concept. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, OK, because you're coming in hot right now. You're coming oh, in. You've already did that that uh that hotep finger thing where you, yeah. you squeeze your well, fingers together I and then you to, you orchestrate right. some niggerdom around you. You're you're already doing. Well, I'm wearing I'm wearing a head wrap. It mm-hmm. just kind of goes with the territory. And as someone who's been ex ex excommunicated, I couldn't even say it. You see how the brain scramble? Yeah. How they? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They got in there. Uh, my uh-huh. brain transmitters. Uh, as someone who's been excommunicated from several of these uh, uh, pontificating communities from the Hoteps to the Black Israelites, you know, like I'm very familiar with mathematics. And it was Terrence, it was Terrence so that I think, I feel gave me permission as a person in the Red Bone Brigade Mm. to go deeper. You know what I mean? Like sometimes the, the, sometimes when you're Red Bone, you light skin, a head wrap and a wide nose is not enough. Especially right. if you got the light eyes, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So with this mathematics and these <laughs> gestures, I am kind of 
being kind of welcomed into a, 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 a skin tone a little darker than mine, if you understand. You're tapping into something very important here because mm. for years, and I think that this is true about a lot of uh, lighter skinned people, is that is that we are often accused of of trying to overcompensate for right. for our connection to the black community that that we overdo the work right that yes. that we're trying too hard and you're saying that for years you found yourself in communities where you attempted to be a part of something and they pushed you out of it because you might have been a try hard in their minds but now exactly Inspired by Terrence Howard, you're saying you're coming with new information, a new energy even yes. to, to approach these communities and say, jokes on you, motherfuckers. I, I'm back. <laughs> do you remember? Do you remember a, a, a TV movie called Queenie that starred Halle Berry? where uh -huh. she was playing the matriarch of Alex Haley, right? That's and right. And she burst into the church with her... Her pale, pale white skin. They actually lightened <laughs> Halle Berry for this role. If you can imagine Halle being lighter. They lightened her to play Queenie and she bursts through the black ch church and she goes, As niggers! As niggers! Terrence's math is my version of Eyes Nickers. It gives the Redbone <laughs> Brigade a chance to own our beige rage, as I call it. Yeah. Beige rage. We get to own it thanks to his mathematics. So, you get to kick in that, that church door. Exactly. I get to say eyes niggers without actually saying that. And, you know, and it's not to say I, I completely understand the mathematics. I think that's sure. the point of it is you're not supposed to be able to clearly explain it to someone. You're supposed to drop, put a little droplet in their mouth. Mm. Um, that doesn't sound right, but put a droplet in their mouth and create that curiosity so that they then go and become more confused. And, you know, your level of confusion speaks to the level of passion. How badly do you want to unconfuse Whoa. your brain? See? Hold on. See? Now, wait a minute. See? That's called motherfucking bars, nigga. Yeah. You know nothing about Nah, you, you hit a spot right there. I, I, I'm not even going to hold you. That... <laughs> that right there, where you confuse somebody and then you check how much they, they're committed to unconfusing. That's, that's it. Now we're talking Commit my language. to the unconfusing. <laughs> that's a conference right there. Langston, when you're ready to take this light-skinned red bone rage, beige rage on the road. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Commit to unconfusing your mind. I love it. I, I don't know what that acronym would be, but we'll figure it out. I will say that even as you're talking, and we have not clarified what Terrence Howard's universal or we new get to it is, mm -hmm. we will clarify all of that, dear listener, who is at home struggling right now with yes. all of this conversation. But I, but fuck you, we're having fun. <laughs> the point is, <laughs> even as you're talking, there's a part of me that feels like that is where philosophy started. Right. That even if we we want to take some of the these sort of like uh, obviously tongue in cheek elements of some of this away, that there's this isn't that different than what Plato was doing with his boys back in in ancient Grecian times where he's like, I don't know, maybe God could be a fucking wheel and we were all pressed together and then we got separated. And, and, and granted, that wasn't Plato that said it was one of his stupid ass friends. But the point is, the <laughs> philosophy is confusion with the goal of unconfusing, much in the way that you're describing. 
why why isn't unconfusing as a term used uh-huh. more often? <laughs> and I'm thinking about Socrates and Plato that maybe during one of those Greek orgies, you know, like somebody bust off and they said, okay, this was good. This yeah. was, but I'm still unfulfilled because I have questions. And that's what I'm saying is that questions are a good thing. Yeah. It, questions are a great way of leading a conversation, disarming somebody, but also kind of like saying, I don't know it all. And when it comes to this universal math, not only don't I know it all, I don't know what the fuck it is. I just know <laughs> it's interesting. And any opportunity here, Terrence, break anything down from the flavor of, of a potato chip, a scene, or what universal the universal math is, is an opportunity to look at someone who is maybe batshit crazy, but mm-hmm. maybe actually genius. Yeah. We don't know. Right. And that, that okay, let's take a step back here because yes. I think you're really, you're hitting some sweet spots in, in, <laughs> in my precious little heart. But, okay. but what I'll say is, is that Terrence Howard, I did my best to sort of trace the build of this narrative. I want to catch my listeners up a little bit. And mm-hmm. it seems like around like 2013 or so, became mm-hmm. committed to the idea that the math that we understand to be true, the things that that we have held true for years and years and years in terms of mathematic equations is mostly false. And the yes. core of that argument seems to be this simple equation, a I would argue a first or second grade equation, one times one equals one. That's the one that he's super hung up on. Tell me right. more about, about where that goes wrong. I think what Terence is positing is almost related to quantum physics. It's like what you see is not what you see and mm-hmm. that there's more there. Because according to the universal math, one times one is not one. It is not one. No. One times one is two. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> now, what I appreciate about that even though I don't quite understand it, yep. is it means I get more biscuits. You know, I can ask <laughs> for a biscuit when I go to Popeye's and be like one times one. I'm paying for one biscuit. Yep. I'm getting two. two I can do a little bit of work on my one ab, but really, mm-hmm. it's not one, it is two. So according to Terrence, more is more. Yep. You know, that to say one times one equals one is to slight this idea of an increased quantity of, of a thing. Yes. Now, that's about all I completely understand because I feel like when I met him, I'll just give you a little personal history. Yes. I used to write on a show that rhymes with Skempire, right? <laughs> and when I met this individual, he came in to talk to the writing room about you know, different things in his character. This was season two. I only worked on the season two of the show. And when we, when he sat down, he immediately locked eyes with me. Uh-oh. I think it had, yes. Those, immediately those locked eyes. Those beautiful green eyes. Right. <laughs> he locked what I would say light eyes with me because I have light brown eyes. Uh-huh. And I think he saw the head wrap and the wide nose and the light skin. And he said, that's fam right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he started to talk 
And I believe he shared a bit of the mathematics. I'm not sure because all I remember was him saying Stonehenge and quasars. That's like what I walked away from, Uh walked away from the conversation with. And so I think in that moment I got brain fucked. You know, I think he did something to my brain. Absolutely. And yet, and yet he created, he planted a seed of curiosity. Like how I want to understand this man because he, as a light-skinned Black actor, it's just, what a very interesting career this man has had. He has strummed his guitar as a folk singer. Mm-hmm. He has written hip-hop anthems for that show that rhymes with Skempire. Yeah, You know, he has married all kinds of women in the spectrum, not Brown skinned black women, which no, is, again, he, he ain't done very that interesting. <laughs> no, he hasn't touched on that. But I feel like his mathematics is his way of entree back to us. Him right. saying, like, I think very different deeply, I pontificate very much like a hotep, you know, but he's kind of like, I don't know, I just think he's a fascinating being. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I say, like, does one times one equals two make sense? No, <laughs> but neither do clouds. There we I go. I don't understand how kangaroos have those pouches. Yeah. You know what I mean? And cotton candy, it melts in your mouth. You know, so these are things that like, we can't be afraid to contemplate. Let me, let me jump in here because I think you're, you're tapping into something really important, really vital in the Terrence Howard universe that, that he is building is this act of questioning, right? That I think at its core, what Terrence Howard is doing is questioning the universe that was laid before us and saying, why? Why does it have to be this way? And while Mm -hmm. I even, you know, admittedly do not at all align with new math or universal math, it's not not something where I find myself uh, buying in per se. I do fuck with somebody saying, There's a bunch of things historically and personally that I have been told to be 100 percent objectively true and then later found out eh, it wasn't as objective as they wanted me to believe. There were some some sort of like gray areas within that that objective conversation. And I think Terrence is sort of doing that. I think that he represents, you know, this idea of pushing against something, which yes. Black people, I mean, that's Black culture, right? Is counterculture, is kind of creating something out of, I mean, the fact that we survived this middle passage and have created, you know, culture in this country is is almost miraculous. I don't think anyone could have predicted it. When I was in college, again, one of my many attempts to align with my blackness, because it was often <laughs> doubted in spite of having a chocolate mother and a wide nose, yeah. I joined this group called the Sons and Daughters of Africa mm. at City College. And, um, you know, at that time in my 20s, I called myself African, you know, and. Um, oh, you weren't. Yeah. You, so you were like, I'm not black. No. I am African. That's right. Kibalon, I guess is what the, we used to call Africa before it was called Africa by the Europeans. Whoa. I was a part of the Sons and Daughters of Africa, and I would call myself African. And I even found like the most chocolate brother to date who was from 
Africa. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was Nigerian and I would call myself African. And he, one day he just was like, uh, sister, I just, I want to say to you that I'm sorry, <laughs> but you are not African. You look at your skin. You are not African. I know you call yourself that, but that's not who you are. Yeah. And for so long, I was offended. But then I was like, wait a minute. I'm going to claim American because, you know, out of this very dark past and legacy of chattel slavery comes us mm-hmm. who have created the culture in this country for the last 200 years. And but we did it as an act of defiance. We were not expected to survive and then thrive and then create. And so, yeah, OK, I know most times we look at Terrence and we go, what the fu-? you know, like, what is this man yeah, really? why is he playing his guitar upside down? <laughs> upside <weirdo>? down. <laughs> you know, did he get a bad batch of coke? What is the problem? But I do, anyone who pushes against, you know, and who has like, is rebellious in nature to me is actually, that's extra black to me. You mm. know what I mean? To say, oh yeah, you got your, which most of the theories and most of the practices that we've adopted have come through uh, Eurocentric paradigm, right. you know. Oh God, I'm sorry. Hold on. Mm. Uh-oh. It was a that. Ooh, I, the whole tep in me was just yeah. sure. It was Eurocentric. About to jump out. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? At the I word was about paradigm, to, exactly, a little black man to... <laughs> running you inside is going to climb out. <laughs> I almost made you a mung bean cake and started burning some sage. But it's true that so much of what we do we've been conditioned to believe is the truth, is the end all, is the alpha omega. Even alpha omega comes from Eurocentric concepts of like what the apex of something is or what the truth of something is. So yeah, Terrence is nuts. Absolutely. Sure. But a lot of brilliance comes out of, you know, those people who are way off to the left, you know, who've been le- who've been kind of isolated maybe a week longer than they should have in their childhood and they come up with all of this stuff, you know, so I'm not mad at him for trying. Well, here's, here's where I get fascinated because I I think I I agree that it is counterculture that ultimately creates culture, creates new culture, creates our ability to exist in, you know, America as you're sort of much more eloquently explaining my question. And the thing that I've always struggled with is at what point does counterculture become counterproductive? Do you know what I mean? Mm. That like you have figures like a a Terrence Howard, like a Kyrie Irving, you know, like a a Kanye, all of these people who are very clearly being counter for the sake of being counter at times. And sometimes because they genuinely believe it. And sometimes it's just like, I need someone to look at me. And it makes me sit and wonder at what point does that actually start to work towards our detriment and not towards right. challenging us for the better? I think if I can attempt to to respond to that is, you know, one, we have to always remember that human beings are evolving, you know, and that we should not, if something sounds like truth, let's apply it to what we need it to be in the moment. And mm-hmm. then kind of release it. Don't make it law because what history has told us over and over again is the minute we put somebody up, they're going to fall. Then mm-hmm. we're going to see their flaws. We're going to see their, we're going to see holes. But I think we have to kind of, I hate to use the word piecemeal, but like just take what we can in the moment and just add it to the canon, 
you know, as opposed yeah. to adding the person to the canon. Add the philosophy, extrapolate the things that we can use, just you know, discard the things that we cannot. I'm not saying discard the person, but just remember that, you know, the it's a mouthpiece connected to a, a flawed human being, you know? And so, I, I mean, I was raised, when I was coming up, my father would take me to hear Farrakhan speak. And yeah. I was a young Black feminist at the time. And it was just like, it was hard for me sometimes to to sit in 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 places of the nation of Islam and see where women and men were separated. And what my father always said is just take what you can from this moment. Like mm -hmm. there are, if you just listen to, if you listen to the entire teaching, you can extrapolate what it is that you need for yourself. And I, I've learned a lot from Farrakhan because I did not completely cut him off. And I think where we are now is the minute we see those flaws, we throw the whole person away. We even throw the teachings away. Yeah. You know, we call it cancel culture right now. But I, I understand even where that comes from. It's like a need to feel empowered and a need to feel you've had some choice in terms of what kind of enters your psyche and who you consider a leader, you know? Yeah. But yeah, just I, take what you can and keep it moving. I think you're you're making a really important point here. And, and Farrakhan, I, I don't think there's probably a better example of a person who has, who couldn't, he's so complicated, right? That like, right. There, there are elements of his teachings, elements of the words that he says that I connect with and believe in and think are, super vital and important for people to try to activate in their own lives. And then he says a whole bunch of awful shit about the Jews. And I'm like, ah, dog, you, you lost me, big man. I really wanted to like you. And I think to your point, that doesn't make the, the language that he was sharing previous to his bad take on a type of people any less valuable. It just means right. that the person that's sharing it is a complicated person a a person with flaws and we need to learn to accept both of those things as true i think when we you know in the in the culture now we have this thing of calling women of a certain age auntie right yeah and i think it, the same applies to uncle if if you relate to these people as that relative in your family who smokes newports and you know wears a mesh tank, you know, <laughs> and his nipples are protruding and he smells like, you know, his armpits are very red. But his playlist always gets everybody jumping. Yeah. You know, is he looking at your second cousin? Is his are his eyes looking a little too long mm -hmm. at her developing? Yeah. You know they are. <laughs> we're exactly, but we haven't completely thrown him away. And so that's what that's all I'm saying about the terrences of the world. It's like Hear them out because any opportunity where you can challenge something you thought you knew is a good thing, you know, right. and maybe one times one is two. We don't we don't know. From what I understand, this man has spent 17 hours a day researching this. Yeah, it's it's not. It's that's the other part of it that that's so fascinating, and we'll get into some of this in the research. I don't want to. I don't want to jump the gun on some of this, but it's not something he's like just saying to say. He isn't right. bullshitting. He's spent a lot of time. He has doc. He has documented 
a fair amount of the the time that he spent and even published articles yes. uh, attempting to support the claims that he's making with his his universal math. So this isn't as uh, casual, I guess, as Kyrie going on, you know, a press conference and being like the earth is flat and I don't give a fuck what the repercussions are here. He's dedicating his life to parents put in the work. He's yes. got the charts and, you know. Do I give you, am I giving you a, a warning before you go and look at it? Am I telling it might scramble your fucking brain? It might do that. But the man that. put the man put a lot of work in and maybe jumping into what might be psychosis, maybe there's still something, <laughs> some kind, you know, maybe there's something to take away from it is all I'm saying. That's beautiful. It, it, honestly, I don't think there is a more beautiful way to go to a break of being like, that crazy motherfucker still has hope and we should treat more crazy motherfuckers like there's some hope left in them a little instead bit. of throwing them away. Yes. I love that. All right, we're going to take a break. We'll be back with more Rod and Blank and more My Mama Told Me. Hacks is back for season three and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia and Yellow, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Stadsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Jean Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks streaming exclusively on Max and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do, too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk. Comedians or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. And we are back. 
this what that feel like? Hell, huh. laughing to the bank like. <laughs> Yep, we're back here with more Round of Blank, more my mama told me. I always regret pressing that button as soon as I do it. <laughs> I say to myself, you just trapped yourself in a one minute long drop of a uh, uh, evil man laughing <laughs> about people dying from a disease. Anyway, we're still talking about Terrence Howard and his universal math, new math, or, and this is something we haven't brought up yet, at least in terms of the title, you may know it as Terryology. Have you That's heard right. Terryology before? Uh, is Terryology on your radar as, as the name that he, it goes by? You know, I have to say something else about names is I think I might have in the past dismissed, dismissed Terrence Howard. Mm -hmm. And then I, I realized his name is Terrence Deshaun Howard. Deshaun. That's right. You know, it's my version of the head wrap. Like, Okay, red bone, <laughs> light skin, but with a name like Deshaun, you got Deshaun. come on now. Can't dismiss him. There's there's something there that I just wanted no, to say that. That brother is uh undeniably black. Whether you that's whether, right. Uh, whether he he likes it or whether we like it, that's all up that's for right. grabs. But that motherfucker is black as shit. Terrence Deshaun there's, Howard. There's nothing blacker than creating recreating a law around mathematics. I mm. mean, I, should I bring up the five percenters? You know what I'm saying? Say. Like, come on. So, Terrence, in his it, beige it, gaze, that's a black man. It doesn't feel any less confusing to me uh, than, like, some of, like, Wu-Tang's early shit. Where it's just like them like doing equations and shit that like I'm not tracking this at all, Playboy. I don't know the the street price of cocaine, so none of this makes <laughs> sense to me. <laughs> Certainly not in how, 1992. <laughs> but look how he was. You know they say Wu Tang loves the children. Yeah. The children are forced to do math. They they're engaged. Yeah. You know, 36 chamber. I mean, math is all present in the Wu world. And yes. so that is the blackest thing I think a person can do is like not only refer to mathematics, but reinvent them, you know, as a fuck you to the hundreds, the hundreds and hundreds of years of mathematics that we've been following is to reinvent mathematics. That's black as hell. I, I like that. And that I think that's a good segue into our research because it, it got me thinking if Terrence Howard is in this space of creating new math, a universal math that he believes to be true, it got me asking the question, where does math actually come from? Like, what is the origin of mm. mathematics? And as we understand it, and again, I'm, I'm, ooh, there's a, there's a heavy quotation around we, right? And before mm. I even go, <laughs> that's, how that's how they get you. Because the we that that is sort of being presented to the world in terms of our understanding of modern mathematics came from like this dude Archimedes, right? Mm. They're saying like Archimedes from old ass Grecian times is considered like the founder, the the father of modern mathematics because of all of the contributions he did to us figuring out 
as you know, every kind of equation, including one plus one or one times one equals one. Right. right? That said, the the commitment, or rather, it made me ask the question: How much of our commitment to Archimedes is just us deciding that this person was going to be the figurehead and not actually doing the real research beyond that starting point? Because mm -hmm. we know historically there were civilizations well before Archimedes ever existed that that built things that that right. had structures and all sorts of like cool stuff going on that had to have required some version of mathematic equations that had right. to require them to measure and and count and do all kinds of things that required math that Archimedes had nothing to do with well first of all great like yes again this goes back to questioning something that has been kind of accepted as law and a uh, universal truth. I'm thinking about this particular African tribe, and I feel terrible because the name is escaping me right now. I want to say the Dung. Oh, the Dugon people. The Dugon people. Yeah. Who, when they were first discovered, you know, would create etchings of our solar system. Yeah. They didn't have telescopes. You know what I mean? They didn't have telescopes. They didn't have the apparatus to actually affirm these things. But when modern science of the time compared, it was all correct. Yes. You know, and so it's been speculated that they had some kind of connection to an alien life force. But here is this isolated community of people who've been practicing a certain belief system for hundreds of years outside of the law, the things that we are saying is law. And there was an accuracy, you know, that it was succinct, you know, yes. and it was how they lived their lives. So it's like what we don't see, we don't know, you know, and if we don't know, or we don't see it, we can't challenge it. You know what I mean? So it's like, it, it just seems mm. like once we decided that these uh, philosophers and uh, the great minds of those days, which all came out of Europe, Europe, like once we decided that, okay, this is what we're going to go with, we just then, everything seemed to be quantified or qualified by people who yes. looked like that. And it's not until exactly. now. I remember I saw a movie and it was about an alien life force that supposedly created the Egyptian pyramids Mm. What's the name of this movie? You know Cone this movie. Heads. Not no, Coneheads. I, I truly don't know. <laughs> Not quite that one. That's very scientific, but it wasn't Coneheads. <laughs> but in this film, because the ship was the shape of a hollow pyramid, the theory being put forward is that the pyramids were, were formed because the ship would land every so hundred years. Uh, God, it's the name. It's, it's on the tip of my tongue. And, and, the way they were able to get into this world was going through some kind of portal. Oh, I'm forgetting the. My point is that I think when we don't understand something, we create some kind of theory, and that theory is still connected to, you know, some kind of Euro Eurocentric lens or understanding yeah. of something. And we will take something on and we will make it law and not challenge it and not challenge it at all. And I think even more to that point, there it, it's a question of communication, 
right? Mm -hmm. That like these people who existed before Archimedes or the mathematicians who who knew math before this Euro Eurocentric lens gets involved had for various reasons, no reason or way of communicating with the people who then set the standard of right. what the world is. Christianity, for, is it Stargate? Is what Olivia yes. is saying in the chat? It's Stargate. Stargate. <laughs> Thank you, there Olivia. You <laughs> so I think with that, it's it's like the Bible, right? It reminds me so much of the way that Christianity works. So So we know that for years, the written word didn't exist, that every story that we're hearing was just people talking, that like I had to tell a story to a person who then told a story to a person, and that was the transference of knowledge. And then at some point, some fucking weirdo decided that they were going to write things down. And then that became documented as permanence. But that doesn't mean that that permanence was the correct version of the story. That doesn't mean that this math, as we understand it, is even the correct version of math. It is just the math that got standardized for all of us at this point in society to understand. And so Terrence Howard, be he right or be he insane, is at least going, hey, bro, I've been recalculating and <laughs> <laughs> you're supposed to do it in his voice, Langston, and you know better. You're supposed to do amen. it in his voice. Amen. That's right. That's right. <laughs> See, and that's what that quiver, the quiver in his voice might be the knowledge. You know, like that's why he's shaking so much because he is bubbling with this knowledge. No, seriously, you know, mm. thank you, Olivia, for bringing up the title Stargate because when I watched that movie and I saw what was. Hollywood's version of a revisionist idea, I thought gall. Yes. The gall of this storytellers to try to diminish. And I'm not just talking about the pyramids. Like they equated all Egyptian things from the scarab and the symbols to the hieroglyphics to an alien race, that it couldn't have been the intelligence of the the Egyptians. They still don't know how Egyptians build the pyramids and that they're hollow inside and they they don't implode. They don't, you know, but the gall of those people to to create a revisionist, even though it's a narrative, revisionist history around. and, And listen, as a storyteller, I know the weight and power of creating story in shaping, influencing a narrative. And there's some kid who saw that who thinks that Egyptian Egyptian culture came out of fucking aliens. But my point is that all that Terence is exhibiting is the same thing that the Galileos and Socrates of the, is gall. Like the unmitigated yes. gall to say that this thing I'm theorizing is truth or could be truth. And so you got to admire in a society where so many of our leaders have been assassinated by the time they were 40 years old, you know, yeah. you know, I, I don't even have to bring up the prison industrial complex, but for a black man <laughs> to spend 17 hours a day on a particular theory and then put it out there, you got to admire the gall or balls, I should say, that Terrence, you know, is exhibiting. I mean, listen, let's not forget about the whole Marvel part of it all, like this well, man. Okay, I'm uh, <laughs> I'm glad you're bringing that up because <laughs> this man. I had... do think that's how you come up with 17 hours in your day <laughs> is to have is not being employed to have to have some free time <laughs> brought on by your 
uh, shall we say, difficult personality. I think that, unceremonious that Howard, firing is another way. Yes, in his and from his POV. For those of you that are unaware, Terrence Howard uh, has become infamous in Hollywood as one of the more difficult people to have around when you are uh, acting, performing, just talking, just being in a space. It, it seems Terrence Howard <laughs> tends to make things a lot, a lot more difficult than uh, they were previously. And specifically, one of his most infamous firings, and firing is probably a weighted word in this case, but he was the the original roadie in Iron Man. And I didn't know this. I'm not sure if you know this, but he actually was the highest paid person on that film. The original I Iron Man, did Terrence Howard that. got paid more than Robert Downey Jr. himself for the for acting in that film. I had no idea. I just want to add a little something really quickly is that yeah. I have to say this. From everyone who worked with him on the set of that show that runs with Skimpire, they said he was the most <laughs> professional. They said he was the most professional. Wow. So I just want to add that in. Yes, that he was the most professional. He showed up on time. He had all his lines memorized. It's not to say that he would not pitch some crazy shit, but he, sure. from what I understand, was very professional. That is interesting. Did not know he was the highest paid actor, but not that, only the highest paid. But he was one of the first people brought on to the film, that he was on it well before Robert wow. Downey Jr. ever was. He made $3.5 to $4.5 million for his performance in Iron Man. And then he also <laughs> claims that he had to take a $1 million pay cut from that because he advocated for Robert Downey Jr. when the studio, when Marvel was still unsure about bringing a former drug addict on as the star of their their you know blossoming series of films so okay. terrence howard in theory is the reason we have iron man the way that we do so you mean to tell me brother that that <laughs> one terrence howard times that one robert downey jr equals yeah. Two high paid mark. You see what I'm saying is that yeah. he's been working his math from the beginning. He's been choreographing something. And again, I'm going back to Gaul. You are the highest paid nigga on this yes. set. And you got the nerve to tell Marvel, I need more for the next movie. Like, well, well, isn't that what happened? This that it's it's partly what happened, what he okay. claims happened and what what is sort of uh, in the air in terms of actually what transpired is that mm -hmm. part of his contract said that if there was a second or third film, which he was signed on for three films, as he claims, mm -hmm. if there was a second or third film, he would make somewhere between five million and eight million dollars for those films. Now, after the first film's success, which nobody expected, right, that Iron Man film turned into something that they certainly did not guess it would be, which is right. now, you know, 15 films deep in terms of various spinoffs and in universe building, right? Right. That said, when the second film came around, Marvel came back to him and basically offered him a $1 million check instead and said, you are not essential to the creation of this project and therefore will take your worth 
in this project, which is why he asked for more money and then went on to call Robert Downey Jr. He says 21 times in a day trying to get his friend, quote unquote, to advocate for him the same way he advocated for him the first time they went through it. Oh, shit. You see. Yeah. You know, like, and we were just about to dismiss this guy and his (laughs) universal (laughs) mathematics, which probably came as a result of like saying the numbers don't add up. Like that's probably something he had in mind. And so, you know, they say adversity is our greatest teacher. Like, wait, not only, okay, this is new information. Thank you, Langston. I did not know this stuff about this, the, the lore of this Marvel legacy. Got replayed and then tried to do the okie doke. Like we wasn't gonna notice that you done replace the red bone with the chocolate, but you know, like (laughs) and I'm not mad. I'm not mad at um, Don Cheeto. Don Cheeto. Cheeto. He's the best. He's amazing. And it it works, the chemistry worked. But you know that when that happened, black people were like, Terrence, you dumb ass. You know what I mean? Like, how are you going to go and F this up? The same thing that they did to Dave Chappelle. It's like when it comes to this money thing, which we've made into a God, um, like, how dare you, black man, turn, you know, challenge Mm -hmm. the white man's dollar. And look, we I'm sure a lot of people didn't know uh, what you just shared in terms of what he was contractually what he agreed to, and then now they did an okie doke on him. Like, I do and not I, know that information. And, and I think that is, it's all complicated, right? Because it is coming from Terrence Howard himself. These are his claims. So there is right. some possibility <laughs> of it not being true. But at its core, this is a person saying, yo, I advocated for something. And then intentionally, this studio and a larger corporation is is building propaganda around the personality that whether whether right or wrong i've had for a while that like terrence howard by this point is already known as a difficult person and so the studio is looking at this situation and saying we can shortchange this individual and if if he decides not to go along with what we're offering we'll tell everybody he's crazy and was too hard to work with and then we'll, right. we'll replace him with somebody who everybody knows is a sweetheart and has never offended anyone. Yeah. And, you know, it's so funny, this idea of difficult as a person who, you know, had had their dealings with the industry. When I first started writing in TV, I had become very close friends with a lot of the people in the writing. The first show that I worked on, which was The Get Down, first Hollywood you mm-hmm. know, TV writing room. And in the room, and I wasn't really even paying attention to gender because to be honest with you, I thought there'd be more challenges around race than my gender. Yeah. I wasn't I wasn't paying attention to who most of the people in the room described as difficult until I looked up one day and I was like, all the people that they're talking about are women. Right. Hmm. All the people they're talking about are of color. And so this narrative around difficult, sometimes I wonder like if the same behavior came from you know, Terrence's white counterpart. And listen, I'm not saying that Terrence ain't difficult. And I'm not saying that this motherfucker ain't crazy. Sure. Okay. But yeah. I'm just saying it's very easy for us to fold in to that narrative of the difficult person, which in Hollywood often is female. You know, like, it's just a very easy narrative to create around someone who doesn't fall 
into line, doesn't fall in line the way we'd like them to. You know what I'm saying? So, And yeah. so I, I think you're making a really important point because to the question of difficult, and this is going to be a roundaway sort of getting back to what you're saying, but I think it's mm-hmm. important. Terrence Howard first introduces his conversation of new math, of, of teriology mm-hmm. in a Rolling Stone <laughs> interview he did in 2015, right? And the right. Rolling Stone interview is meant to be actually a, a bit of a, like a celebration of this figure who went from being a massive movie star, Hustle and Flow, Crash, Iron Man, all these things that were huge. The best man. The best man. You get it. All these successful <laughs> He stole that movie, films, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That then are taken away from him because of what he is, you know, being labeled as, as this difficult person. And then somehow finding his way back to success with the surprise hit of Empire. 2015, right. this article comes out. It's meant to make him look cool and and interesting and sort of like, but also honest and, and raw and all the things. But mm-hmm. it ends up being, and I've read the article, it ends up feeling a lot like, I guess the best way to say is like an expose on a supervillain after like they've they've lost to the Justice League. Do you know what I mean? It's I like agree. him standing in a in a high rise apartment, staring at himself in a mirror in silk pajamas while With he's like surrounded on. by. Yes. It, and it, the he's silk got box, robe. Mm-hmm. Silk robe and boxers. And he's surrounded by all these objects he's built these teriology objects that he he has that are plastic <laughs> all around the house that he and his then wife have like constructed and and it's it's him i guess pontificating about the complexity of the world and the world he's created but it it's very haunting the interview i think i'm i'm in agreement with you i'm also simultaneously adding silk robe and boxers to my yes. dream band list. I have a list of dream <laughs> bands and that would be, I'd love to see silk robe and boxers open Coachella one year, but yeah, yeah no, I, I agree. <laughs> I read that same article and they completely, it was farcical. It was like, let's sit back and laugh at this nutbag, you know, who lost yes. it all. He had the chance of a lifetime. And um, I did, I did feel a little empathetic at the end because I was like, you know he didn't sign up for that. He he probably was no. so happy that someone would listen to his theory around the the new universal math, the teriology, that he just, you know, I mean, he does that. When you give him a platform, this is someone who probably feels like you've dismissed me as a light skin, light eye having, you know, cute guy who's on mm-hmm. a black soap opera and you don't think I have any and I and I feel for actors in that way in that we often dismiss their level of intelligence and think that they aren't more than the roles that they play. And so yeah, you give him a platform to talk about something and okay. Yeah, he may have said a little too much that, you know, more than yeah. you could digest in a sit down, you know, an hour long sit down. But you could feel where the, the journalist was like, you know what, I'm going to pivot and I'm going to yeah. let the people know that I sat with this nutbag for an hour and let him just hang himself, so to speak. You know and, what I mean? And two, there were moments in that where I do think that he was relatively articulate about some of the things that that have been labeled challenging or difficult in his personality. Like right. there is that moment where they ask him about the best man 
and mm-hmm. like sort of like his the the infamy he built on that set even the fact that that was his first sort of like breakout role mm-hmm. and with that they they labeled him difficult after the shooting of the best man mm-hmm. and he said look at the end of the day they wanted to m- me to make choices as an actor that didn't feel correct to to the role that i had been given that mm-hmm. like i they wanted me to do these lines funny and like like read them like a slapstick sort of like sidekick character and he was like nigga i play guitar upside down i'm going to read it like a man who plays guitar upside down and it ended up landing better than it would have landed if he did it the silly billy way but for for that communication for that set for all the people involved the relationship was challenged right if not burned completely Right. And I think that it speaks to the expectations of actors. I think especially when it comes to black actors and black artisans where and I won't say we because I'm not an actor, but like the idea is like you should be so grateful that you got this role. Don't come in here challenging, Mm -hmm. mixing things up. And there's just something else I want to add to this really quickly. It's like we may have seen Terrence for the first time in The Best Man, but who knows how long he's been out there paving, you know, beating the pavement. And it was this musician, Kamasi Washington, who talked about this thing of just because people have discovered you in this particular moment, it doesn't mean that you aren't a vet and that you haven't been yes. at this thing for a very long time. So we may see Terrence Howard in The Best Man as this new young actor, but if he actually has been at this thing for 10 years or so, like, does he not have a right to try to challenge, you know, what he thought the role was going to be? You know, I just think yes. there's this culture of just shut up and dribble. Just shut up and yeah. take the check. Just shut up and take the shine. Don't challenge. And as Black artisans, as Black women, as queer people, as people on the margins, the, the message here is shut up. Be mm-hmm. glad you got a paycheck, Dave Chappelle. Be glad you got a paycheck, Terrence. Don't challenge, you know? Yeah. And I will say that even with that, it also ignores, to, to your point about your existence before this, it ignores some of the the logic and reasoning of the human underneath all of this. That, you right. know, in reading this article, you also read about his father mm-hmm. and the fact that his father was arrested and taken to jail for a long time when Terrence was two years old for stabbing someone while they were standing in line to meet Santa at the mall, that basically Mm. a family was standing in line. His father, I guess, stepped in front of that family. They got into an argument about who was there first or whether or not his father and their family should have been allowed to go first. His father gets angry, pulls out a fucking uh, nail file, stabs a man, the man dies, and then blood splatters everywhere, including on young Terrence Howard, who was two years old at the time, and Mm. then is forced I guess, to grow up fatherless for a big portion of his life. And with that, this new math, whether right or wrong, has to come from a place of at least attempting to make sense of a world that isn't offering him answers in a Mm. more reasoned way. Mm. Uh, Yeah. No, I absolutely see that as like this someone is just trying to understand things, try to better understand their world. And yes. I mean, a hundred percent. That is to me the point of existing, you know, it's like, I mean, it it even kind of connects to this kind of the vaccine debate. It's like, I'm not mad at people that challenge, you know, and want better understanding because that group think 
you know, that group think mentality is like, you know, it's what turns us into sheep. So, yeah, Terrence sounds like there's baggage. It sounds like there might be some mental health challenges. Who doesn't have mental health challenges? You know what I'm saying? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? And everyone has their basket. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, and I will say that that I think, and this goes back to my original sort of question, is how do we reach a point where we are able to challenge things without being a detriment to the people around us. And Mm -hmm. I think that that's the careful game that we're all learning to do in managing our own mental illnesses or challenges, personal or or public, whatever it is, is like, yeah, I should question the vaccine. For myself personally, I should ask, is this essential? Am I doing the right thing? Uh, Is there any possibility that the government does not have my, my best interest at heart? All of those things are normal healthy questions to be asking, but then Mm -hmm. to take those questions to the streets without (laughs) ever having attempted to find answers to those questions first is the danger, is where Mm. it starts to become unhealthy behavior and dangerous behavior. Now, where I think this is a a cool flip is Terrence Howard's new math ain't hurting nobody. No. (laughs) That shit ain't it's not anti-vaccine. It's it's literally a nigga being like, hey, one times one equals two. Somebody, somebody talk to me about this shit. And it isn't the most brilliant thing I've ever seen. No. But it truly is not violent in any way, shape, or form. I just say, like, question everything, but also leave the window slightly cracked, you know, to there being something to something within that everything that might be helpful to you, you know, and, you know, maybe the flip side of this is a cautionary tale of when you have too much time on your hands, (laughs) what what can happen. But yeah, I'm not, I'm not mad at Terrence and I, you know, uh, he's so talented. Like we can't dismiss that, you know, like he's the reason I watched the best man over and over again. I think his performance is so understated. And I think he's one of those people who, you know, we, we could go on and on about our version of the Oscars and, and, and what things get, you know, are seen of merit when you revisit these institutions and what they award. Like he's one of those actors that like, I've seen him in different things and I'm like, this man is talented, you know, he's, he's talented. And I don't know, maybe if he got more support or, you know, maybe if he had a chance to address, you know, the trauma in his life, he wouldn't have 17 hours devoted towards this new man. Towards new man. I I think that's fair. He's a man who needs to unpack and maybe we have a little more responsibility in helping him unpack instead of laughing at his interesting equations. I think it, it would be I, I, it would be a mistake for us to go on break without me reading you this quote. This is a fun quote I found. Fun is in quotations, but I, okay. I, a quote from Terrence Howard where he says, and this is in, re- in relation to his new math, where he says, since I was a child of three or four, I was always wondering, you know, why does a bubble take the shape of a ball? 
Why not a triangle or a square? I figured it out. Mm. If Pythagoras was here to see it, he would lose his mind. Einstein, too. Tesla. This is the last century that our children will ever have been taught that one times one is one. They won't have to grow up in ignorance. 20 years from now, they'll know that one times one equals two. We're about to show a new truth, the true universal math, and the proof is in the pieces. I have created the pieces that make up the motion of the universe. We work mm. on them about 17 hours a day. She cuts and puts on the crystals, she being his wife. I do the main work of soldering them together. They tell the truth from within. Mm. It's beautiful. Poet Poetry. <laughs> poetry. Mm-hmm. Poetry. Yes. All right, we're going to take a break. We'll be back with more Round of Blank, more My Mama Told Me. Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Stadsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Jean Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks streaming exclusively on Max and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk. Comedians or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. And we are back. Can you lend a nigga a pencil? Yeah, we're back here with more <laughs> Rod of Blake. More my mama told me. We're still talking about new math and Terrence Howard. And the the question of, of asking 
more questions of challenging Mm -hmm. the universe in front of you. And with that, I can't think of a better intro into playing a game. Would you like to play a game? It's a a game that we play on this show all the time. It's one of my my personal favorites. It's a game that I call White Lies. Lies. You're ugly. You're disgusting. I'm going to kill you. Give me $200. White Lies. This is a game (laughs) where, Rada, I am going to introduce to you a classic conspiracy conspiracy theory, a widely held conspiracy theory in the white community. And what I would love for you to do is tell me why you think white people are so committed to this conspiracy theory. Gotcha. Cool. This is this is one that I've been seeing a lot more lately, although uh, I don't know how how widely held it is. It, It has a bit of nuance, but maybe that's just because of where we live. But apparently There are quite a few people who believe that Prince Charles is a vampire, that the son of the Queen of England, the soon to be king of England, uh, when she dies and she will, God willing, she will die. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) If my prayers work, that lady will die very soon. But Prince Charles apparently is a vampire. I don't know if you heard this before. I have never heard this conspiracy theory, and yet I'm intrigued. I really am. Well, let me tell you a little more, and then I'd love to hear why you think people argue this. But apparently, in unpacking his genealogy, it turns out that uh, Prince Charles is a descendant of Vlad the Impaler, who is the person that Bram Stoker's Dracula is based on. That like historically they're making connections, basically saying that he's the descendant of this infamous figure in history and that because of that descendants and because of his weird looks and also odd behavior that he might, in fact, also be a descendant of Dracula. Your thoughts, Hmm. please. Wow. I. I'm so intrigued. The first thing I'm thinking about are his ears. (laughs) <laughs> they are very, they are very bat-like. Yes. They do look like they could, you know, propel him into flight. So mm-hmm. there's that. There's the idea that he is a part of a very old and archaic institution that, you know, I don't know if it's garlic, a steak. It has not died. You know, it is uh, almost impermeable. It is, it feels immortal. You know, he is a Mm. part of this monarch that is just like, you can't kill it. And uh, who knows? He's very pale. Yes. I don't know that the man has ever had a bit of sun. I've never seen a picture of him with a a tan. You know, he always looks the same, you know, like the same rugged, worn, pale leather bag of a face. (laughs) You know, I, I don't even think I can challenge this theory because... If I found out that he was indeed a vampire, I mean, this lineage makes things very, very interesting. Yeah. I don't know that I could say I'm surprised. I mean, he did suck the lifeblood out of Princess Diana. You know, there we go. Uh, being married to him cost her her life. Yeah. And um, 
wow, this is so interesting. Like I've never heard this before this moment, but I'm I'm going to now look into it. So thank you. Please uh, do all the research <laughs> you need to do to figure out if, if he is in fact, well, first, if vampires exist. And number two, if he is in fact a vampire. And then three, why white people love it so much? Because to me, this, and that's the part that I had some challenges with, is mm-hmm. to me, the royal kingdom of England and all those motherfuckers. I'm sure that's not what they call it. But uh, uh, the royal kingdom <laughs> of England and all those Maybe behind closed doors. That's what they, yeah. yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. but, but to me, they always represented an odd pick for people that you wanted as your figureheads. You know what I mean? Right. Like, if I wanted figureheads, I want them to be sexy and hard <laughs> and and be- just look, look, I get to look at them and I feel proud. And the right. fact that they've always picked these ghoulish monsters mm. uh, as the, the people, and granted, the bloodline apparently is what picked it, not them choosing them, right? But right. either way, the fact that they've never overthrown that bloodline and made it like you know, fucking Idris and his sexy ass people means Mm. that these figureheads have to have a level of power and control that exceeds the people's fight. You know what I mean? Their ability to fight back. It's forever. Right. It's forever. Which, you know, in this moment of, you know, white fragility and Mm -hmm. the Karens, you know, and the anti-maskers, which to me is... The reason so many Karens are going off is because I think COVID kind of leveled the the field. Like we, the mask represents this this threat to all mankind. You know, like yeah. you being white and rich is not going to save you from this virus. So we're in the same boat, honey. So yeah, mm-hmm. putting on a mask when you've had access, you've had power, you've been on top all your life. I think it's just kind of like just fucked with a lot of white people's brains. And so the idea of being immortal, I think is sexy. You know, it's like, okay, I know they say by, by 2070, the human race is going to be more, you know, the median skin tone is going to be a little bit more brown than we were anticipating. This idea that a white male monarch could live forever. (laughs) (laughs) And then you, and then you couple Brexit with that, like this excommunication and this, you know, this, this throwing away of immigrants, which to me is about browning up the country or browning down. I don't know which direction it goes in, but yeah, I could see how (laughs) immortal, all powerful white man is a sexy idea. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I, I think see it. I think even more to that point, it also ensures that that you have a justification for why you remain impoverished or at, or less than in these communities. As mm. long as this motherfucker's immortal, then I can't beat him. He's a fucking vampire. But mm. if that's just a regular dude who could get shot like anybody else with a regular bullet, then I'm tripping to let this motherfucker be that much better than me without doing something about it. Okay. And I just want to just add on to what you just said. Yeah. Please don't get no ideas, people. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Langston, what Langston was talking about is... Charles being a vampire, we put that in context so that the no. FBI is not calling us into no, no, question. No, no, I want to be clear. Shoot the the prince 
of Wales. What is it? The Duke of Wales. Shoot him. Stop letting this man. No, I'm joking. Please don't shoot him. I do not want to be responsible for whatever fallout. Oh happens my god! Because I said some silly shit on a podcast that truly none of you should be listening to in the first place. What are you doing? You should have better things to do with yourself. All right, oh my Rada. god! I think we did it. I think we did the thing. This was so much fun. Could you tell the people at home? This was amazing. Uh, where they can find you and and what cool shit you have going on. You know, the movie is still on Netflix. The 40-year version Hell is still yeah. on Netflix. I am cooking and baking and working on things. I tend not to talk a lot about it, but like when it, when it does come to fruition, I'll be sharing it with, you know, your audience. And yeah, I just, it was a thrill to be on this show because I've had a couple of, there are a couple of people that I'm like, you know what? I think this would make my mother proud if I was on Jesus and Miro. Yeah, and if I was on, my mama told me because I was—I'm the child of a black conspiracy theorist, and so, mama, we made it today. We made it. (laughs) (laughs) Whoa! What a beautiful sentiment. That's so nice. Well, please go watch, go watch forty-year-old version. It's so great. Please follow Rado online, and as always, you can follow me at at Langston Kerman. And if you want to send me your drops, your theories, your very harsh opinions about my my performance as a podcast host, you can send them all to mymamapod at gmail dot com. Otherwise, I don't know. I think we did it. Bye, bitch. Bye. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details.